Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, January 31st edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and I've got my guy Ramiz here as we are sitting in, keeping warm from a cold one out here as the Raptors have another uh, cold one to end their game 2-2 now on the road trip. I know we're Raptor fans. We're going to have to talk about it at least once, but OG, OG out for the rest of the trip. That's not fun. But what is fun is we're at the end of January, man. We're a less than about a week and a half away from the trade deadline. We're almost coming up at the All-Star game. And we are about to really come into, I would start to say, you know, the tail end of the, what I call the serious season. And then you start to see, you know, the, the silly season. People start getting rested and all of that, which is where things get really wacky as far as DFS is concerned. So. <laughs> While we can still, you know, meaningfully project where things are going to go and what rotations are going to look like, definitely want to take advantage of that. And speaking of taking advantage, Sports Ethos DFS Pass. Take advantage of the deal. Get yourself onto sportsethos.com. Subscribe to that DFS Pass. Get yourself access to the live injury report. Get yourself access to our Discord, which allows you to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock. You'll see a bunch of different guys over there around, really successful, long-time DFS experts that really break down what kind of changes at the last moment can really take you over the edge when it comes to your GPP lineup. But before we get right into the games, Ramiz, how are you doing, man? How are you keeping warm? I know we are sitting in the middle of a cold stretch. We're going to get to like minus 30 by the time Friday comes around, but what you been up to, man? I'm currently sitting indoors wearing socks right now, so I think that explains <laughs> how I'm feeling. Uh, and then, obviously, the snowstorm happened last week, so you know, this is life, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'll constantly be jealous of the West Coast folks that we have on here. But speaking of keeping warm, though, who is going to be hot tonight? Let's jump right into the Miami and Cleveland game, which is going to be the first one of the night. At the moment, we don't have a total for the game, but we do have the Cleveland Cavaliers with a five-point spread favorite to be able to win the game. And we are looking at, as far as injuries are concerned, not too, too much, except for the fact that Jimmy Butler is sitting questionable for this game. And, you know, I was looking at his price tag when I first saw this. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to want Jimmy Butler in on this for 7800 but we're going to have to see if he actually goes and takes the floor while on the Cleveland side everything is pretty much all systems go and in fact even Kevin Love who was otherwise listed as questionable is now upgraded over to probable but Ramiz I'm gonna let you go ahead and start with this one is Jimmy Butler in his questionable status gonna be someone that you think is making his way onto the floor and if not who are you looking at as far as Miami's concerned going for it I think uh I think in a five-game slate Jimmy to me 100 yeah a lot of upside with him and uh i think in i mean i think generally last time i took him against i believe it was boston he decided to play so i'm going back at him again hoping he does this time and i think in these matches i think you see jimmy more into himself because he knows he has to really forefront this team into getting that w and so at 7800 i think there's a lot of upside i mean I, i've seen some other players and i think with jim butler with how much he's gonna be contributing to his offense I think uh, he's probably my pick. But in the alternative option, I think if Jimmy decides not to play, I'm probably going to go the Tyler Harry route at 6,700. Similar route, you know, I think uh, 
obviously with the risk with Tyler Hero comes is is he gonna be hitting his shots? Because if he can hit his shots, it's gonna be a really good night. But there's times where he can it's completely miss, and it's gonna be a tough matchup because with the two huge uh, players in Mobley and Jay Allen, it's gonna be more so a primary game if Tyler Hero uh, decides to go off. So I like that, and then uh, I kind of went with a bunch of options as well with Max Truce. Hmm. This is also kind of with uh, Jimmy's side of things. If he doesn't play, I think Max Drews, another guy who's going to be launching a lot of threes because I think it's going to be really hard to attack this type of team in the paint. I think Max Drews who, uh, at 4,000 is a good shout. You know, that's completely fair. One other area that I'm looking at, really just with the rotations that Miami has been starting to put out, really once Oladipo has found himself now back into kind of good health, kind of regular rotation guy, he's consistently getting about 30 minutes a night on here. Now, his actual shot attempts may not necessarily be going through the roof here, but he has consistently been a guy that's getting himself there, getting himself those steals, those you know kind of sneaky assists to go with it. So really, he just needs to have a half-decent night from the floor to be able to beat that uh, salary pretty comfortably. And I say the same thing for Kyle Lowry as well, especially with you know the Jimmy Butler questionable scenario. We saw that even when Jimmy Butler played last game, not only did your Tyler Hero get 21 shots, Lowry still played 30 minutes, was able to get 11, 4, and 5. Oladipo played 32 minutes. And now, while neither of them had a particularly good shooting night, it's just the fact that they're going to be on the floor, they're going to be involved with the offense, and there's just not much that they need to do outside of the norm to be able to do pretty well for their salary. So those are kind of my upside plays that get a little bit more of a bump if Jimmy Butler does end up sitting out. But yeah, I'm right there with you with the, with Tyler Hero. I might have a little bit of Bam Adebayo. It's just one of those things where oh, interesting. I just like the... It, it, he's had one match earlier this year, which obviously didn't go great. But if you look at years past, he's actually done pretty well against the uh, Cleveland front court. And it's one of those like kind of sneaky contrarian picks because I think there are a couple of other centers that people will be kind of going towards this night. So it's not like I'm jumping and saying Bam Adebayo is my guy. I'm probably going to have more of Lowry and Oladipo just to get a little bit of exposure to the game. But I have a feeling he's going to end up in a couple of my lineups as that contrarian guy to be able to maybe replicate uh, some of what he had done in uh, previous matchups against Cleveland. But on the Cleveland side, honestly, everyone's pretty fairly priced for where they are. I do think that uh, I'm just really waiting for that night where I know that Ricky Rubio is going to be playing, you know, 25 minutes. <laughs> then I'll be happy to take him for 3,200. He's been sitting at 19, 19 minutes, 18 minutes, and he is uh, going to be playing for this game on here. And in fact, uh, looked like he, he was... Um, you know, he may have potentially played the back-to-back, but ended up going off or not playing it just from an injury management perspective. But look, you know what Rubio is going to be able to do if he can even get 25 minutes. He's going to get seven to eight assists and just needs a couple of his shots to go to be able to beat that. So not a bad shout from a, from a Chiefs standpoint. And, you know, as far as Mitchell and Garland are concerned, I just kind of avoid taking any high-priced guys against a Miami defense. It's just burned me too many times in the past when I've tried to kind of be a little bit too too smart, you know, outsmart myself, and that's what's happened uh, whenever I try to do that. So I'm going to take it on the chin if Garland or Mitchell happen to go off on this game. You know what? I'll, I'll have to deal with it. I like some of the other guards otherwise, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be about it for that game for me. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, I mean, I did have a, sh- a look at Garland, but uh, I'm kind of going in somewhere else in that type of range. And uh, honestly, we, uh, you said it yourself, Miami defense can be a bit of a bit of some a weird type of defense where the stars can't really play their games. And on top of that, uh, with Garland and Mitchell both healthy, it's always tough to kind of predict, especially when they're in the same price range, who's going to kind of go off, who's not. 
And uh, especially when you don't know how this Miami Heat team might play without Jimmy Butler, with Jimmy Butler. So I think that's something to take into account. Yeah, that is completely fair. So that jumps us right into the second game, which is the Lakers going in to the Garden, which is always you know a big event to be able to happen when LeBron James is going to show up in the Garden. But unfortunately, both LeBron and Anthony Davis are looking like they are um, not... Well, Anthony Davis for sure is not going to be out because he has had a uh, reoccurrence of his uh, stress injury on the right foot, which hopefully... It's not going to be something major. It's pretty annoying. Yeah, I know. But LeBron James, who did sit out the first game of the back-to-back against the uh, Nets today, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he actually does, uh, you know, come back on the floor. I expect he will. So I'm going to throw it out there. I expect LeBron is going to be back for that second half of the back-to-back. The real question is, are you banking on LeBron having another one of those nights in the Mecca? Because where I have been looking is – more from the Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant side of things. You know, 6,200 for Dennis Schroeder, 5,500 for Thomas Bryant. I especially do like Thomas Bryant in this matchup uh, with not having to deal with the kind of size that New York would have otherwise thrown out there if Mitchell Robinson was healthy. But instead, you got Jericho Sims and you got Isaiah Hartenstein on the other end there, and Thomas Bryant is just a little too skilled to be able to handle that. I do expect he'll get a little bit more usage here, and I do like him at his price tag. I'm going to go ahead and say I like him more than I do uh, Hashimura, who, who has just started with a new team, starting to get acclimated. You're going to see that you know his minutes are slowly starting to ramp up, but I still just haven't seen that kind of game from him yet, especially on the rebounding standpoint to really trust that. So Thomas Bryant's going to be my guy there for me. That's interesting because you went with uh, Schroeder and Thomas Bryant. I'm going with Rui Hashimura at 5,000 and Beverly okay. at 4,500. Because I think uh, Beverly, especially, has been playing some pretty decent basketball. Mm-hmm. I think in this type of game as well, where it's going to be like uh, the Emmanuel Hookley, the Miles McBride, Jalen Brunson, I think you'll see a lot more Beverly. And uh, a couple of quarters, he'll be on the court for 30-plus minutes. And then Rui Hachimura, I think uh, with Rui, I think it, this is a great game, especially with Anthony Davis out, if, uh, because he's going to be playing alongside LeBron. Because with uh, ever since Rui's come back, obviously Davis has been playing, and it's it's tough to kind of do your game, especially with uh, Andy Davis' struggles. And I think... Uh, yeah, no, I, I get where you're coming from as far as uh, Hashimura and Beverly are concerned. Beverly, for sure, was on the radar there for me just because I expect he'll get those minutes uh, to go uh, along with anything else. It's just his usage that's always of concern to me. But on the New York side of things, there are actually a couple of interesting uh, interesting plays here that I am looking at. And first and foremost is going to be your boy, Jalen Brunson. Because if there's one thing that's known about the Lakers, is that they suck against fast point guards. <laughs> like, shifty guards who can beat you off the dribble just absolutely annihilate the Lakers. And it's happened this entire season so far, and I don't expect that to be any different in this matchup as well. And for Brunson, who has routinely been sitting in that kind of 8,000, mid-8,000s mark, to me is at a really good price tag in this one to have a little bit of upside. I expect that uh, in the kind of matchup we're going to get, which is going to be a close one, you know, it's not like the Knicks are going to be running away with it or anything like that. I expect that Brunson's going to need to play heavy minutes in this game to keep it close. And I expect that he will be getting a lot of assists here as he's trying to really break down a front court that is really just running with, uh, with Thomas Bryant and a couple of other spare parts. So of all the other picks there that are, not badly priced or anything like that. I think Jalen Brunson has the most upside, and he's going to be the one I uh, look to as far as the Knicks are concerned. Uh, so, yeah, well, I was saying uh, I'm going with Randall because I think Randall, uh, uh, he's been 
honestly on a really, really nice stretch. I mean, there's times where I'm looking at it, I'm like, there's no way he's going to have a good night. But he, he still ends up doing his thing. And I mean, whether it's against Brooklyn, whether it's against the Raptors, uh, I don't think it's going to be a different result against the Lakers, especially with Rui Hachimura and Thomas Bryant, who are more so offensive-oriented players. And I think uh, because, honestly, obviously it's not a good thing to have a player injured, but I think because of Mitch Robinson's absence, I think it's opened a lot more for Julius Randle to really attack the paint with uh, a bit more spacing. And uh, I think he's going to do the same thing with the Lakers, especially because they have no paint defense. All right, fair enough. Well, he's definitely been playing good basketball as of late, and that's why his price tag has really seen that kind of massive jump into that 10000 and beyond. So, yeah, if he's going to be one of your guys in the front court, that's definitely going to be a big chunk of salary. You're going to have to hope for a big night from Randall, but let's see how that goes. Moving right along to the Clippers going into Chicago to take on the Bulls. We do have a total for this one, a 230 game with the Clippers being favored to win by three. As far as injuries are concerned from the Clippers side, it is uh, Marcus Morris, who is the questionable one coming into this game. He has missed a couple of games in a row now, kind of dealing with that rib injury. So we'll see if that happens to continue. And uh, on the other hand, Reggie Jackson is also questionable for this game alongside uh, Robert Covington as well. So we're going to have to see if they uh, end up uh, kind of making that uh, making that rotation be that little bit shorter than usual. As far as the Chicago side is concerned, it's pretty much all systems go. And in, and Derek Jones is also going to be uh, back for the game, probable. So it's pretty much a full team taking on another team. Chicago at home has been you know, better than they have been on the road, let's say that, <laughs> by and large. But Chicago just continues to be that kind of enigma team to me. At any point, you don't know which one you're going to get. And the same thing goes with that kind of DeRozan, Vucevic, Levine, who you know, aren't in that same price tag anymore. Levine has actually come down a little bit up to 8,100, which is still, you know, slightly above where I'd feel comfortable trying to taking a shot at him. Uh, I'd like him to be in the 7,000s where I'd feel a little bit more comfortable just given the fact that it is a three-headed monster and a bit hard to be able to take on. So really from the Chicago side, I just kind of continue to avoid it unless I happen to feel frisky with a Patrick Williams night, which he has done pretty decently over the last... Uh, two nights there sitting in that kind of mid 4,000 range and has the upside to be able to drop kind of a low 30 as far as uh, DK points are concerned if you can have a decent night from the field. But from the Clippers side of things, there are a couple of interesting uh, pieces to be able to look at here. So with uh, Marcus Morris being out, what we have seen is not what we had necessarily expected, which is, you know, more of next man up mentality and go ahead and uh, get the other spare parts to step up. In fact, it has been the Claw who has come back with an absolute vengeance for the last couple of games now and has been shooting absolutely lights out, has not had a game below 50% from the field all the way back to the 10th of January. And while he's, he doesn't necessarily have the kind of game that gets you, you know, 60 DK points on a consistent basis outside of, say, that one Dallas game, you know that he's a guy who's going to be a pretty well lock for somewhere close to high 40s to low 50s as far as DK points are concerned. So not necessarily you know, the most exciting upside given the fact that it's 9,800, but it just goes to show where you know Kawhi is starting to round into form. So I'm not necessarily saying that I'm going to be taking him. I may, especially in cash games, I'd have a little bit more interest in taking Kawhi to kind of round out my lineup. But I do like him at his price tag more so than I like Paul George, who's been a bit 
hot and cold. He had that great game against the San Antonio Spurs. I know a couple of people went in and took him against the Atlanta Hawks, hoping for some sort of a repeat. But, uh, you know, he didn't have a bad game. Still ended up on 43 DK points. But from the field, it just kind of continued what uh, we had seen kind of earlier in the month before he had that kind of hot stretch of games uh, leading up into that Atlanta one where he fell back down to earth. So, not you know, not a lot of interest here for me overall. But uh, you know, you can tell me if there's uh, somewhere that you're looking to take as far as the two sides are concerned. First things first. Uh, I just want this is uh, I'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent here, but the Pacers are one and nine in their last ten games. Mm-hmm. And one of the games I game scripted last week was the Bulls would beat the Pacers. And oh, the yeah? Bulls ended up losing. I I was like. There's no way there's not any Pacers that were watching that pod because I, I mean, listen to that pod because how did that happen? And I, I don't even know how to. I'm not gonna game script this match because I don't know. What <laughs> I told happen. you, man, it's a fool's errand to try to do that. And game scripting by, like, double digits, and then they ended up blowing the lead at a whole mile healthy. I don't understand. The Bulls are an interesting story. Keith may understand. <laughs> uh, but uh, honestly, you spoke on it. Kawhi, I like Kawhi at 9800. I think Kawhi, surprisingly, he's, he isn't over 10k. He's been on a on a tear on this. He's just been healthy, I guess. I think that's what he just needed. A stretch of games, uh, no minutes restriction. Uh, Paul George, I think you 100% spot on. I think Paul George in general is whenever he plays next to Kawhi, he kind of just plays a bit awful because he's probably not used to that role. I mean, we've seen it when Kawhi doesn't play, Paul George turns into a monster himself. But uh, I think with Kawhi playing, I think that definitely changes how Paul George uh, decides to play that game out. So I think Kawhi 9800 is someone who I would consider. And then I got some two budget guards. Uh, I got Reggie Jackson, 3400. Mm. Uh, he's been having a good, decent amount of games. Uh, had a great game against the Lakers, of course. And then he's been uh, using that rhythm to keep on playing well. And then Kobe White, 3500. Kobe White's always going to be one of those players who I like at 30, uh, around that 3000 range because he's a really, uh, he obviously is a great chance of just stinking the bed right away. But there's a good chance that he also goes off. And with this Bulls unpredictable team, this, this game could be close, and it might be because of Kobe White's three. So <laughs> Kobe White at thirty five hundred. Oh man, it sounds like a sounds like a dart throw to me. I'm looking back here. I think the last game where he actually like you know went off off was back on the thirteenth against uh, OKC, where he dropped you know thirty seven DK points for thirty eight hundred. Obviously a great uh, you know great night in that one, but really just been consistently sitting at that like fourteen fifteen. Maybe twenty if you're lucky, Mark. I mean, is that really what you're looking for from a thirty five hundred guy? Hey, man, I don't know. Listen to the pod right now. He's, he's <laughs> off is he? All right. Well, we're gonna have to uh, come back and uh, revisit that one on our next one. Well, let's go right on to the Charlotte Hornets and the Milwaukee Bucks. Charlotte going into Milwaukee for this one. This is the biggest spread of the night, with the Bucks favored to win by twelve. But it also is the highest game total of the night from the ones we have. 239 game total. So you know what I say about trying to game script a blowout. These things always can get a little bit more interesting. I think uh, we're starting to see Ramiz come onto that line of thinking. (laughs) Just just stop trying to predict blowouts, man. It just doesn't happen in the NBA anymore. But what does end up happening is LaMelo coming on the floor and showing what he did last time around when he faced Milwaukee. Dropped 57 DK points on that one. And that was still on a night where he shot 8 of 21. And what I'm seeing of the last couple of games against uh, against teams that were pretty pesky defensively, especially that Miami game where he still ended up on uh, about 41 DK points on there, is that LaMelo is starting to get confident again with his outside shot. And it's not that he's necessarily hitting them at any sort of a high clip, but you know one of those where like shooters shoot and you want to keep kind of doing that? He's taking that with 
confidence yet again. So it's just one of those things where I think he's going to need that one game to be able to get it going. And if there's something that I've learned about LaMelo after watching him for you know a couple of years now, I actually really like his game in general, is that he's one of those guys that, much like we talk about uh, Draymond Green, there's certain matchups or like certain opponents that he wants to kind of get himself up for. It's and it's not like Charlotte is going anywhere. So it's like those little <laughs> those like little victories that you want, right? To be able to like show that hey, I am a top tier guard. I am here to uh, be able to compete against the best quote unquote defenders on the other side. And Drew Holiday presents just that kind of a challenge to a Lamelo Ball. So I'm gonna throw it out there. 9500. I actually am going pretty heavily in on LaMelo. I think he's going to have another great game. And I expect that he actually shoots better than he did in that first one against Milwaukee. So it's, I said, it's an away game, which obviously makes it a little bit more interesting. But LaMelo has actually been quite solid uh, on both of those splits up until now. While he's slightly less efficient away from home, he is still able to make that up by being a little bit more effective uh, with the ball in terms of passing to his teammates and getting a couple more dimes as a result of that. So it's not a smash grab or anything, but I really do like LaMelo to have a good matchup here. Just going to go ahead and throw that out there. I expect that he will do well. And on the other hand, uh, if there's one area that uh, Washington or sorry, Milwaukee has found themselves a little bit you know, able to be taken advantage of is when you have that stretch for able to pull either a Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis out into the uh, into the perimeter area and get them a little bit outside of their comfort zone of being able to kind of stay in the paint, uh, being a little bit more of the kind of clogging presence. And that's where PJ Washington comes into of interest to me. Obviously, coming off a great game against Miami, like incredible game i actually didn't expect him to do that well he did 45 <laughs> points on that one and he's been you know a bit hot and cold on that but again given the uh, the kind of options that i'm liking at guard where i'm saving you know a little bit of money just given the kind of options i'm getting i might be inclined to you know spend a little bit more on my forwards here and if i'm not uh, going crazy all the way and getting lebron who you know i'm expecting to be on the floor and deciding that I want to go that way, I might go with this kind of mid-tier balance situation. And with that in mind, does PJ Washington become someone that I have a little bit of interest in? You know, where since we're talking about, you know, franchise-type point guards, I'm going with the franchise-type center and Mason Plumlee at 66. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I was, I was thinking about it, but I think with Giannis perhaps thing, uh, I think it might be much tougher for a center like Plumlee to dominate this game as usual. But I want myself much more budget options. <laughs> I want Gordon Hayward at 5,200. I think uh, Charlotte's been playing some great basketball, surprisingly winning games. I'm not going to give game script no match, of course. Uh, but Gordon Hayward at 5,200, I think he's a guy who, I think he's a safe option at that type of price because I think even if his shot's not hitting it, you can expect him to get you a few assists, few rebounds. The only concern is with Gordon Hayward is he, he's been playing around 25 to 30 minutes. And I think uh, if he can hopefully, if the game can hopefully stay close, he can get, hopefully get more than 30 plus minutes. I think that's a good shout at 5,200. Mm. And another guy I went with was a uh, budget option for Mason Plumley, of course. Uh, Mark Williams at 3,400. I think, uh, honestly, you said Bobby Portis, but Bobby Portis has been injured. So I think their center rotation is Broke Lopez and Serge Ibaka. And Serge Ibaka is probably on his way down in terms of his career, which is tough as a Raptors fan, but it happens. And I think Mark Williams is a guy who has been getting around 18 to 20 minutes in this getting you a solid around 15 DK fantasy points. And uh, 
against a Serge Ibaka, who is much slower. And I think with LaMelo's ability to just make centers look much, much better than they are, I think Mark going to 3,400, I think we'll have a great night. And on the Bucks side of things, I kind of just stayed away from it. I think they're all kind of priced relatively where they are. Uh, Chris Middleton is obviously interesting at 5,400, but he's been on a minutes restriction, I believe. And then uh, I think uh, the Giannis, of course, is always too overpriced for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those where Giannis would have to have an absolutely monster night to be able to get that. Not that I put it past him against an an opposition in a defense <laughs> like Charlotte. So if he can get, uh, you know, hey, if we can, Mitchell, if we can stay close. Hey, man, you're telling me that if Charlotte is somehow winning games and keeping things close, that means Giannis is going to be on the floor. And if Giannis is on the floor for 33 minutes, you can guarantee that he is going to go ahead and break that 12K. So this is, this is where your game script is coming back to bite you, man. You're going to have to uh, figure out one way or the other. But I, I am with you overall. I'm probably not taking uh, too much of Giannis, uh, just given how uh, the rest of my lineups are looking and, you know, a certain... Uh, joker that i may uh, end up liking a little bit more <laughs> in the next game coming up but yes uh Giannis is always in play he's like that luka Doncic situation there's never a bad night to take a Giannis unless you know he happens to not uh, not end up staying on the floor either because the game is a massive blowout or because you know he happens to just not play as many minutes because he's either injured or whatever but look this is a guy coming off two monster game 70 dk points 73 dk points dropping 41 and 50 real points 91 points in the last two games that he's played and this is while he's shooting on nearly 70 percent from the field on average in that time so it's just it is it is hard to bet against a Giannis, and i do expect that i'll have some exposure just given what charlotte's defense always means for everybody as far as the game is concerned so Keep all of that in mind. Take it with a grain of salt. I'm still going to wait for that uh, Chris Middleton game to happen before I uh, go ahead and really invest a little bit more into him. We need him to be playing at least in the mid-20s as far as minutes are concerned for his price tag. So really, that that just leaves you with whether you like Brook Lopez or not. And, uh, well, at 6,000, I'll probably end up avoiding him and move right on to the last game of the night, which is the Pelicans going into Denver altitude and to go ahead and take on the nuggets over here and as far as the injuries are concerned it is really the usual suspects zion of course continues to be out he is still looking at at least a week away from uh, his uh, reevaluation to see when he can get himself back on the floor which means that we're going to be seeing the rest of them try and deal with the monster that is on the other hand which is nikola Jokic, and he could be even more monstrous because we have Jamal Murray listed as questionable for this game. His left knee injury is more of a management situation than anything else. It's more rest. So we could potentially see him sit out for this game after uh, that last one that he had against Philly. So if that happens, Jokic 11,800 in a matchup that's likely going to be incredibly fast-paced, exciting, offensively driven, just given the options that we have on both sides. I think he is going to be my favorite spend-up as he is most nights, to be honest, but given everything else, he's likely going to be my favorite spend up on here uh, and likely to be the guy who I think is going to have the highest kind of raw score of the night, which is obviously betting against Giannis and probably end up kicking me in the butt doing so. But <laughs> that is what it is, because as far as the Pelicans are concerned, really the only kind of area that I have interest in is whether I think uh, whether I think uh, Brendan Ingram can actually come around and have the kind of games that he should 
be having given the fact that he, alongside with CJ, should be running this absolute offense. His shooting slump has to come to an end at some point. I think his price tag is in a spot that gives him enough upside to be able to do so. Shot 8 of 22 in that last game against Washington. Still ended up with about 35 DK points, which obviously is less than what I'm hoping to be able to get from him. But really, the last time he shot... You know, over 50%, he ended up with a 52 DK point tonight. So it's really all about whether he can get his shot going. He has, I would say, a pretty decent matchup uh, on the other hand to be able to do so because it's either going to be a combination of either Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. really spending the vast majority of time with him. I doubt that they give uh, you know Bruce Brown too much on Ingram because I just think that's just... Ingram is way too long and too lengthy to be able to do that. Bruce Brown probably is spending more time on CJ McCollum and trying to, you know, get in his grill and annoy him a little bit more. <clears throat> so, if there was ever a game for Ingram to turn it around, I think this is the one. And uh, that's uh, from a shooting guard perspective, probably where I'm looking at for some of these games. Uh, I didn't go with Jokic, but Jokic is—I don't think is ever a bad pick. I mean, just like Giannis, I mean. He- I think he he's always gonna have an insane night. I, th- I just think uh because these guys are so expensive and DraftKings is so smart. He's making these guys so damn expensive. <laughs> <laughs> just so because you have to end up with the Reggie Jackson, the Kobe White, if when you select the Jokic. Yep. Uh, but I I I didn't go with Jokic this late. I kind of went with Bones Highland more so just based on the opportunity play. Where I don't think Jamal Murray will play this game because I think he's been playing a lot of games and I do think uh, their main priority is of course the playoffs. So this might rest him at this game. And then I think Bowen Thailand is going to, at 4,300, just, just play into the starting lineup, get a few assists, a few buckets as usual. I think he should be able to get more than what his value is worth. And then for the Pelican side of things, uh, I mean, you said Ingram is going to have a tough night. I think, I mean, I think defensively, the Nuggets have some great matchups. And I think with Ingram, I think he's still kind of on that mental restriction. So I don't, I'm not really going that Ingram route, even though the 7,600 is really, really appealing to me. But uh, I decided to stay away from that. I kind of went with uh, a much more cheaper option in Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado has kind of been slotting in around at that point guard spot. He's been playing a lot more minutes. And, uh, of course, but the thing about the Denver games, man, is the, is the altitude. You don't know how it affects it, but it affects them. Because <laughs> I was looking at the Alvarado like, stat lines, and I'm like, damn, he played really good against Denver. Turns out those both teams were in New Orleans. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so... This for all we know, altitude could really just drop him halfway down. But uh, I'm still gonna go for it because uh, numbers don't lie, right? I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going for him at 4900. I think uh, obviously there's some other options. Trey Murphy the third, of course. There's always uh, Herb Jones, whose value is kind of uh, diminished. But uh, I'm going to Jose Alvarez at 4900. Well, that's a it's a gutsy call out there. We'll have to see if Grand Theft Auto can go ahead and uh, get himself going as he has in a couple of other games. Obviously, a key player for whatever the Pelicans are looking to do kind of into the season going forward. But that brings us to the end of. I mean, I would say that's a pretty exciting slate. I mean, we didn't really have you know guys that we were just like consensus. This is the ones I like. So there's obviously a lot of different ways that you can go about building the lineups on here. A lot of kind of baselines and pillar plays that you could have, whether it be a LeBron, whether it be a Giannis, whether it be a Jokic, or whether it be you know any of those kind of mid to high tier guys to be able to make a more balanced lineup. There's just so many ways you can go. And that's why it's so important to keep yourself up to date with the injuries, keep yourself up to date with what lineups are looking like and get yourself on that Sports Ethos DFS pass. But before we go ahead and move on from here to the last part, it is Thrive Fantasy. 
that we are always looking at, uh, looking at the props, seeing what is looking juicy on the lineups that we have sitting out there. And really, as much as uh, I was talking about uh, LaMelo for where he is, I, I almost think like it's uh, this is my hedge. If LaMelo's not going off here, it's because I'm picking under <laughs> the side <laughs> as far as uh, LaMelo's points, rebounds, and assists are concerned. Look, 37, he doesn't need to get 37 and a half to hit value, all right? He'll, he'll be able to get that. No, nah, it's not betrayal. It's about <laughs> being on defense. I don't know how else to be able to say this, but <laughs> hey, man, under 95 points, 37 and a half for points, rebounds, and assists. He just about got that in the last time they faced uh, off against Milwaukee. So like I said it's, it's a touch and go. That's why it's only 95 points versus you know 105 on the other way. So it could go either way. I'm going to say that that is close. And I'm still hoping that Jamal Murray does, in fact, find a way to get himself on the floor. Because I was looking at all this and I'm like, this is a juicy line for me. I really liked 35 and a half to take the over on for his points, rebounds, and assists combined to get you 130 points. Really, really like the pace of the matchup. Really like how Jamal's offense is really starting to come around, especially in the last couple of weeks. So even if he has a half-decent night, I could see Jamal dropping, you know, 25 actual points. So it just comes down to, can he get those rebounds and assists to be able to match it up? And he's been getting about seven assists a game for the last little bit. So, you know, can he get three to four rebounds? Why the hell not? So it's just... One of those things I'm hoping he can get himself on the floor to make that an interesting thrive pick for me because there haven't been too many 130-point plays that I've found myself jumping on, and I have a feeling I would do that if I can find that Jamal's actually going to play. So unlike you and uh, not going on the over for Lamella, I'm going on the over for Julius Randle because I have belief in my players that I choose <laughs> for drafting. <laughs> uh, Julius Randle, 30 and a half total points, rebounds. I think against the Lakers, who might be without Anthony Davis, I think he's going to have a monster night. I think he'll be able to get over that, and uh, that'll be hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> 100 <laughs> points for you. Uh, I'm also going with the risky one. I, I don't go under usually, but Donald Mitchell under 24 and a half total points for 105. Hmm. Uh, I think uh, Miami is going to have uh, one of those gritty games, especially if they're wild, without Jimmy Butler. I think uh, so it's still going to be a tough game to score because, like you said, Oladipo has been on a good stretch and he's still a great defender. And uh, I think 24 and a half, but I think I wouldn't be surprised that Don Mitchell ended up having like 22 points and the game score is like around 110 total. Uh, so I think uh, I'm going under on that, which is pretty risky, but uh, hey, risky picks is what I like. Hey, I mean, if you're going to be betting against Spider, then just don't find yourself getting caught in his web. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but that I'll have to practice that. There you go. Nah, I, was, I was thinking about it longer than you were thinking about betting against him. So we'll, we'll go about it and see how it turns out. <laughs> But that brings us to the end of this pod. Hope you guys had a good time. Hope you guys enjoyed playing DFS throughout January because we are getting really to the home stretch as far as the season is concerned. Really, you know, final things are going to be made. Rosters are probably going to start to shift around a little bit. So there's always value that comes around whenever these trades start to happen. Remember, trade deadline February 9th. So keep yourself up to date on that and really keep an eye on how that could affect your DFS picks going forward. But until then, as always, you can find me on Twitter at HOK underscore devil, where you can let me know whether I should, in fact, be hedging with LaMelo Ball and just go <laughs> over on both sides. But we'll end up seeing how that ends up turning out. And Ramiz, where can the good people find you on Twitter? 
They can find me at too nice. It'll be spelled T O zero underscore nice underscore. All right. Well, we'll see if he's too nice with it by betting against Donovan Mitchell, but we'll have to see how that turns out. And until then, good luck to everyone on DFS. Keep yourself warm. If any of you guys have a snowstorm coming out, maybe share some of your share some of your tactics on how you keep yourself nice, warm, and toasty as we deal with it. And for those in the West Coast, screw you. I hate you all. All right. Well, you have yourselves a good night, and we will see you on the next one.